since this is my uh, first Sunday in the pulpit of 2023, I want to begin a new series that we're calling Reset. Why the word reset, you may ask. Well, thank you for asking. Uh, Because it means to set, adjust, or fix in a new or a different way. Why, uh, if there was ever really a time to talk about a reset in life, I believe that certainly the new year is a very appropriate time to do so. Because there is something about entering into a new year that makes us think about adjustments. It makes us think about the necessary changes that we need to make in order to improve our lives. And I think I can say with 100% accuracy that every one of us has something that we would like to change in our own personal life. So if you could change anything about yourself, where would you begin? I think that a very, very typical response would be that we start on the outside, our appearance. If you could wave a magic wand or change your outward appearance, would it be a light touch up or would it be an extreme makeover? And would we even recognize you when you were done with it? I believe we all dream of being something different and better than the person we are today. Advertisers, they know this. That's why your email box is crammed full of ads promising you to lose weight now, how you can make more money overnight, how you can learn a new language, how you can improve your memory. If you go to any bookstore, there are just wall after walls of books about self-help because helping people to change is big business nowadays. But change is hard, isn't it? It truly is. Because when we get up in the morning and we look in the mirror, what we see is that same person looking back at us. That's why people will often move out of a a town or, or change jobs or get a facelift or buy a new car, start a new career, find a new boyfriend, join a health club. The list goes on and on. Certainly none of those things are wrong, but here's the truth. It's the stuff on the inside that really matters. It's not this outer shell, it's what's going on inside of us. And having said that, I also believe that we understand it is infinitely hard to change things on the inside. And if there's anything that we know about human nature, it's that people change slowly, if they change at all. So I want you to think for a moment about a New Year's reset for your own personal life. What on the inside would you change about yourself if you could? Would it be uh, an impatient spirit? Would it be a critical tongue? Consuming envy? Maybe it's a mean streak. A spirit of, of discouragement and discontentment? Lingering resentment that you're holding on to? Lust that you can't conquer? Perhaps it's financial mismanagement, a guilty conscience, the inability to work with other people, overbearing stubbornness, a judgmental spirit, a gossiping tongue, a quick temper, a disorganized life, an inability to say no when you need to. What would you change about yourself if you could? Well, this brings me to our scripture text for this morning. 
It's one of my personal favorites. I know I said that earlier, but this truly is my life themed scripture. It'll be on the screen behind me. It's found in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The verse that I really want to focus on today is verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Transformation is a powerful thing, ladies and gentlemen. And as I look back on the years when I went to Bible college, it was as much about my personal transformation as it was about the studies that I was, I was involved in. Certainly, learning the scriptures is a good thing. It is always helpful, but eventually you've got to do something with the knowledge that you have obtained. Knowledge alone will not save you, and knowledge alone will certainly not change you. Because as I said earlier, earlier most of us change very slowly if we change at all. And honestly, few of us make any lasting changes except under pressure or as a result of personal pain of some kind. There is no growth without a struggle. And as coaches have been telling us for year, no pain, no gain. Long held habits can be changed. Ask our friends at Celebrate Recovery about that. But it won't happen overnight, am I right? Patterns of predictable sin in your life can be broken, but it will take more than a quick prayer at the end of a worship service. You can and will see significant spiritual growth in your life, but it won't come without a cost. And yet there's this common attitude within our flesh that, that says, as long as life is going well, why should I change? Well, life may be going well for you, but what are you overlooking? What are those blind spots in your life? That's why they're called blind spots. You can't see them, but other people can. Whether you uh, live in close proximity with, with someone else, when you, excuse me, when you live in close proximity with someone else, eventually whatever is in your heart is gonna come out. If you've got a tendency to cut corners, your family's gonna know that, and so will your friends. If you fudge on the truth, if you are a chronic excuse maker, if you have a critical spirit, if you have a root of bitterness, or if you're just a difficult person to be around, all of it is bound to come out eventually. If you wanna know what you should change, you need to talk to those who are closest to you. And if you don't happen to live with someone else, you can experience one of the benefits of life together in your local church family because it is within the community of fellow believers where we truly do discover our weaknesses. It comes from being challenged by the word of God and also being challenged by each other. It's a great benefit to be able to, to, to see the truth about yourself, warts and all. Because as we are challenged by seeing a clear picture of ourselves, it moves us in the direction of doing something about it. And that something is what Romans 12, one and two is all about. 
It tells me that when our minds are renewed, we can be transformed. So how does that happen? Well, first, we must be transformed on the inside. The Greek word for transform in Romans 12.2 is related to the English word metamorphosis. You may recall from seventh grade science class, metamorphosis is the process in which a caterpillar becomes a butterfly or a tadpole becomes a frog. It's a gradual change on the inside. It produces a total transformation on the outside. Transformation is the same Greek word used for the transfiguration of Christ. It's when Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him to the Mount of Transfiguration to pray. On that mountain, the prophets, Moses and Elijah, suddenly appeared next to Jesus, and he begins to shine with bright rays of light. It's when the true glory of Christ began to shine through his humanity. It says this in Mark chapter 9, verses 2 and 3. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. The word means to be changed or transformed from one thing to another. Think of it this way. When Jesus was transfigured, he did not cease to be Jesus. He was still who he had been moments before, but for a brief time, the curtain was pulled back, so to speak. And James and Peter and John, they saw as much of the true divinity of Christ as any man has ever seen and still yet lived. At that moment, they saw the real Jesus, the true son of God from heaven. He did not cease to be a man, but his true identity was revealed to them as the one true God. Now consider what happens when a caterpillar enters a cocoon, only later to emerge as a butterfly. The caterpillar doesn't change its basic nature. Metamorphosis reveals what was always there within the genes of that caterpillar. And caterpillars can't fly but yet they were born to fly. So how do you solve that mystery? You solve it through metamorphosis. When a caterpillar has been changed into a butterfly, it becomes what God always intended it to be in the first place. Now suppose you knew nothing about metamorphosis. If someone were to say to you that caterpillar is gonna turn into a butterfly one day and it's gonna fly away, you'd laugh at them. You, you can't tell by looking at a caterpillar that one day it will fly. The whole, no, the whole notion seems impossible, doesn't it? So what does all this have to do with you and me? Well, in 1 John 3, chapter 2, it says this. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. John is talking here about our future when we are with the Lord in heaven, but that statement also has a, a current application for us today because God is in the transformation business. And, and you can't tell who or where or what plans God has for you and me, but God has determined that one day we will be like Jesus in the end. In fact, in Romans chapter eight, verses 29, it tells us that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. 
In the year 1464, a sculptor named Agostino de Duccio began working on a huge piece of, of flawed marble. His intentions were to produce a magnificent sculpture of an Old Testament prophet for a cathedral in Florence, Italy. And he labored for two years on that, and then he stopped what he was doing. In 1476, Antonio Rossellini started to work on that same piece of marble, and in time, he also abandoned his efforts. But in 1501, a 26-year-old sculptor named Michelangelo was offered a considerable sum of money to produce something worthwhile from that enormous block of marble that they called the giant. And as he began his work, he saw a, a major flaw near the bottom that had bewildered all the other artists, and they say including Leonardo da Vinci. He decided to turn that part of the stone into a broken tree stump that would support the right leg of the person in the sculpture. So as he continued to work on that project for over four years, until he eventually produced the incomparable statue, David. Today, that 17-foot-tall sculpture stands on display at the Accademia Gallery in Florence, Italy, and people come from all over the world to view it. More than a masterpiece, it is considered one of the greatest works of art that has ever been produced. It has been said that there is no statue that is more perfect than David. So how did he do it? Here's his answer in his own words. In every block of marble, I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect in attitude and action. I have only to hew away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition, apparition excuse me, to reveal it to the other's eyes as mine see it. I think to put it in clearer terms, what he was saying, I cut away everything that didn't look like David. Now let's apply this for a moment to our spiritual life. All of us were works in progress. We are not finished. We are not glorified. We are not perfected. We, we are not completed. We are all under construction. And if you've ever been a part of a construction site, you know that it is a noisy and it is a messy place. While the hammering and the sawing continues day after day, it's hard to imagine what the final result is going to be. But God never stops working on you and me because there is so much work that needs to be done. Can I get an amen? amen. What makes us think that, that God will ever finish his job? And just tell you what goes on in my mind's eye as I think about this. I picture God as a sculptor working on a rough piece of flawed marble. It's a, it, he's working on a big chunk, and it's named David Blythe. And it's hard because this chunk is badly marred. It's misshapen. It's discolored. It, it, it is cracked. It's about the worst piece of marble that any sculptor could ever work on. But God is undeterred in his work, and he continues to work patiently, at his job. He chips away at the bad parts, chiseling an image uh, out of that hard stone, stopping occasionally to polish parts here and there. One day he finally finishes one section of that statue. But the next morning, when he returns to his studio, 
that section is all messed up again. He says, I thought I finished that yesterday. Who's been messing with my statue? And it just so happens that I'm the culprit. I'm my own worst enemy. What I thought would improve things has only messed things up. But God is faithful. And he patiently picks up the chisel. And he goes back to work. He's chipping away at everything that doesn't look like Jesus in me. And it's quite evident that he has a long way to go. But I am encouraged in knowing this. And my experience has shown me that he will not quit halfway through the project. What God starts, he finishes. You can take that to the bank, by the way. Write that check right now, it's good. So first, we must be transformed on the inside, but secondly, when the scriptures tell us that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds, how does that happen? Well, we must reprogram our minds. We've gotta start reprogramming our thinking. Sometimes I think we get out of kilter regarding our spiritual life. What I mean by that is we think often in purely emotional terms. If only we can feel the presence of the Lord, then we know we are moving in the right direction. But as important as those feelings are, Paul puts the emphasis here on the renewing of the mind. I want you to listen to what he also wrote in Ephesians chapter four, verses 20 and 24. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And here it is again in verse 13, 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. How do we get a renewed mind that Paul speaks of both here and in Romans 12, one and two? The answer is actually very simple, even though it is the work of a lifetime. Our desire must be, a, must be combined with discipline. Let me say that again. Our desire for that change has to be combined with some kind of discipline on our part. Here's a little equation I wanna share with you that Dr. Charles Reary came up with that makes complete sense to me. He writes, time plus habits of holiness equals spiritual growth. You see, the transformation of the mind takes time, but it also takes a determination for you and I to develop those habits of holiness and righteousness that Paul talks about. And if I were gonna add anything to that equation that Dr. Reary gave, it would be this. Time plus habits of holiness plus godly encouragement equals spiritual growth. I doubt that anyone will grow spiritually without being around other people who can encourage them to make wise choices on a daily basis. That's why it's so important for us to choose our friends wisely because you will become like your friends and your friends will become like you. The right friends make it easy for you to grow in the Lord and the wrong kind of friends can make it that much harder. It is just that simple. So Romans 12, 2 teaches us about spiritual metamorphosis. God intends that, that we will slowly but surely be transformed into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, but it will not happen by accident. 
and it will not happen overnight. We live in a fast food society. We want everything fast, don't we? There was a thing called a crock pot one day. Nobody uses crock pots anymore. You'd use one of those five minute steam thingies and five minutes, voila, it's done. We don't want to wait. Nothing is going to happen overnight. Most importantly, it cannot happen without the work of the Holy Spirit. It happens when we behold the glory of Jesus Christ. It happens when we make a personal commitment. It happens with godly encouragement from brothers and sisters in the Lord. It happens as we become what God made us to be. John Piper put it this way. This is how the mind is renewed, by steadfastly gazing at the glories of Christ for what they really are. We must pursue the Lord so that we know him better and better. Then and only then will you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So as we begin this new year, it is truly a time of reset for all of us. You're embarking on a new and a great adventure in 2023. Yes, it will have its difficulties. And yes, there are going to be some unpleasantries that are going to go along with it. There will be nerve-wracking times where your weaknesses will be totally exposed under pressure. But there is no other way to get better. And there is no other way to grow in Christ. At the late Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, North Carolina, there's a place where his wife, Ruth Graham, was buried. And engraved on her tombstone are these words. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. I love that. So if you listen closely, you'll hear the faint sound of hammering and sawing going on in your insides. And when God is finally finished, you and I will be like Jesus. That's the beauty of a relationship with Christ. It doesn't require you to spend anything. All you have to do is make an investment of your time. You gotta be willing to invest some specific time and attention towards deepening your relationship with the Lord by actively pursuing him and, and, and making him your highest priority. Some of us need to find an assigned time for reading and studying the word of God. There's a lot of things in the Bible that, that we don't understand. The only way you are going to get clear about it is to take some time to study it a bit. And I've had people say, well, I don't understand it. There are so many resources that you can get online. Just ask Google a question. They'll pull up all kinds of sites. Just want to be careful the sites you read. Make sure it's not the Satanist church, okay, or, or some crazy church. But the point is there's so much resources at the tips of your finger that you can get an answer to without having to call a friend or even your pastor. You can find out what a scripture means. There's all kinds of concordances out there. There's all kinds of things at your fingertips that help you understand the word of God. For some, you need to find a time of prayer. You need to find a time to just talk to God, a time to, to pour out your heart to him. Maybe you need to schedule a prayer time every single day. For some, God is waiting for you to take a much needed step in serving and utilizing your talents and your skills for the kingdom of God. And when you do, he is going to show you things that you have never seen before, and he's going to bring new experiences into your life. And he's going to bring your personal fulfillment level up to an all-time all high. 
And maybe, maybe just for the first time, you're gonna experience some real joy that maybe you haven't experienced in a long time. For some of us, God is calling us to be more generous people, to start giving of our finances regularly to his church so that the work of the church can be accomplished. And what happens is through your trust in God, in your giving, your trust is going to increase in literally every other area of your life. Because when you trust God with your money, you trust him with anything. That's how important it is to us. God is calling all of us to something new this year. It's his nature. He doesn't want us just sitting around all the time. You see, I found that if, if I just sit, sit still and I make no effort on my part, I will continue to sit still and I will not move ahead. In Hebrews chapter five, verses 12 through 14, it addresses this in a most visual way. It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We cannot expect to be able to discern good and evil if we are unskilled in the word of righteousness, as that scripture says. The Bible also says that we go from glory to glory, and yet some of us have never experienced that glory to glory because we've simply failed to move. In my personal life, I have come to recognize that for every step that I have taken towards God, for every step that I've taken towards greater intimacy or greater understanding or a greater commitment, God has taken three or four steps for me. We all should be growing in our faith. We shouldn't accept anything less. We need to quit living on the glories and the memories from the past. And we need to replace those with some new experiences and some new memories from today. When you consciously pursue spiritual growth, you will immediately see both change and progress in your relationship with Christ. Deeper intimacy, greater levels of faith and of trust in God, increased discernment and spiritual strength and wisdom, and yes, even boldness. There will be a greater openness to the moving of the Holy Spirit and the direction of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is what I pray for all of us here in the new year. And listen, folks, change is not just for new believers. As a follower of Jesus, change is in your future. Change and growth is synonymous with the Christian life. Oh, how I wish I could break the spirit of complacency and apathy that is so prevalent in the Church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America. In fact, let me just say I rebuke the spirit of apathy and complacency in the name of Jesus. It is, a, it is a spirit that quite honestly is based upon a kind of a pious attitude, believe it or not. It's one that believes that somehow being a Christian translates into spiritual growth. But folks, it doesn't. In some people's lives, those years of being a Christian becomes more, nothing more than, than a trophy. It's simply lip service to justify their complacency. 
Listen, if your attitudes and your thoughts and your visions are the same today as they were years ago when you got saved, you're not being transformed. You're not. Transformation is an ongoing process. If you've lost, an, if you've lost the appetite to see the lost saved, if you're not, your heart never breaks over the prodigals, if you never find time to pray, if you never open your mouth and tell others about this Jesus whom you say you love and who you serve, if your Bible lays dusty on the table, if you think that giving a tithe and an offering to the church is somehow way out of line, if you attend church out of Christian duty, sir, ma'am, you are not changing. You are not growing spiritually. You may have all the right things to say, and we all do that. And we may look outwardly like we've got our life all together, but inside, it's like what Hebrews 5 says, spiritually, we're like infants in need of solid food so that we can grow up. You know, there's a term that is used when referencing those who have become addicted to drugs at a young age. It's called arrested development. What it means is that an addict will stop growing emotionally about the time their addiction starts. In other words, if you become an addict at the age of 12 and you're 35 years old today, you have the emotional maturity level of a 12-year-old. So I want you to think back on the day that you were gloriously saved. And I want you to ask yourself, have I grown spiritually? Or am I under some kind of a spiritual arrested development? Have you grown to the level that you might expect from someone who has served the Lord for five or 10 or 20 or 40 or 60 years? Have you studied the word of God and come to realize how important it is to your personal spiritual growth? Have you developed a meaningful prayer life and learned that it's your way of communicating with God? It is your way of seeking his guidance. Have you given any thought to how you would share your faith with another person when God opens the opportunity for you to do so? Here's what I'm trying to say, church. I want so much to see this body of believers grow this year, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, whether you've served the Lord for just days or whether you've served the Lord your entire life. I so desire that this body of believers, all of us who make up this great church, are on the path of real and meaningful spiritual growth in 2023. I want us to be honest with ourselves about the fact that, that we need to continually be transformed. It's not a one-time event. It's an ongoing event. And it'll go on till the day you pass. Because there's not one of us here today, not one of us who has yet arrived. And that includes the man who's standing before you today. So I want to ask you, will you join me this year? Will you join me in being proactive in your efforts to grow spiritually? Will you make a commitment to do something that perhaps you have never done before? Will you allow God to chip away at those sharp edges? Will you invite him to point those rough spots out to you? And then will you be a faithful participant in the process of him chipping those away? Church, I believe that the time is short. I further believe that God wants us to continue to make a difference in this community. And we do that by touching one life at a time. 
So I am here to say to you today that I'm not satisfied with the status quo. And my prayer is that you aren't either. Let's start taking our faith as serious as anything else in our life. Take that same passion that you have for your career, that same passion that you have as a parent or as a spouse, or the same passion you have for that great hobby that you spend a great deal of time about, and be passionate about the Lord. Let's put Jesus in his proper place this year on the throne of our lives. Let's make Jesus the pinnacle of our everyday lives. Let's seek him in greater ways. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts and our attitudes and our understanding to be more like Christ. I guess what I'm asking you is, will you make a commitment this year to spiritual growth? Will you make a a commitment to church attendance? Will you quit allowing other things to take precedence over, for some of you, the only time of the week when you get your spiritual feeding? And furthermore, will you take time in your busy schedule to find ways to feed yourself and to get into the written word of God? Will you find a time of daily devotion with God where you can read and where you can pray to him? Will you consider finding ways to serve in your church and become a greater part of our efforts to win this community for Christ? Scott, will you come forward and help me to close this down? I'd like to ask you all to stand to your feet. We've got some exciting things in our future here at High Point. We are in a great position to have a great influence on our community more than ever before. God has blessed us in such a way we are now positioned to do things we've never been able to do before. And can I tell you what one of my greatest fears is, and I'm going to, I think this is going to also be in my series, the last one I'm I'm working on putting it together. I'm afraid we're so focused on the return of Christ that we're forgetting about what's going on now. Yes, we are to be ready for when the Lord comes. And I know you've heard me say many times, I believe we're living in the last days, and I truly do. But we can't let that alter the way we live now. We have to allow that to drive us to do that which God has called us to do. We can't hide. We can't hide ourselves away in our homes. And we can't can't not engage with people in the public anymore. We can't sit there and go, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready because your life's gonna go by, because we don't know when Jesus is coming. I believe we're living in the last days, but we've been living in the last days since Jesus resurrected. And I realize all the signs are here and now, and and some of you are convinced it's gonna happen tomorrow, and that's okay. I'm glad you're ready. We all need to be ready, but we can't lose sight of our mission. We can't. We need to be spiritually growing, healthy, vibrant, passionate people in order to accomplish what Jesus wants us to accomplish here in Red Bluff. So will you be a part of an actively spiritually growing church or will you choose to remain where you are today? The worst thing that could happen to you in 2023 is come next January, you realize that you just blew another 365 days and you're no different then than you are today. That's the worst travesty about life. We can let years go by and never address one single area in our life. Will you say that 
your level of joy next year has not changed? Would you say next year that, well, I was spiritually unfulfilled, I was inactive? That's exactly why we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That is exactly the reason for this message today, to make all of us think about our own personal spiritual condition, to determine are we moving forward or are we standing still? And if you come to realize that you are standing still more than you're moving forward, I wanna give everyone an opportunity in this place to start heading in the right direction. Most certainly, the, the ultimate change anyone could ever experience is to see, receive salvation through Christ Jesus. And if you're here today and you want your life to be changed, I want you to realize that it can be changed through a meaningful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can receive salvation today. The word of God says in order to be saved, you must believe and confess. You must believe that Jesus is the son of God. That is the only way to God the Father. That he died on the cross and the blood that he shed atones or covers your sin. You need to simply acknowledge him that he is God, accept his forgiveness, let his blood wash your sin away, and you become, as the Bible says, a new creation. And for the rest of us here today who are believers, the beginning of change to you, the beginning of, of spiritual growth in your life has to start by moving towards God. Start by saying, God, I invite you to change me, to transform me, to, to, to renew my mind. But then you need to follow it up by, by taking the necessary steps and the necessary time to engage yourself with the Lord every day. So I wanna end this service today by opening up this altar to anyone who has both the courage and the desire to say, God, I want more of you than what I'm currently experiencing. I am hungry and I am thirsty for more of you in my life and for more of your Holy Spirit in my life. I wanna see and experience things this year that I have not experienced before. And honestly, if you can't say that yet, I wanna open this altar also to those who would simply say, God, I am stuck and I don't even know where to start, but I'm coming down this altar as a sign to you that I truly desire change in my life. I am willing to allow you to work on my heart this year. I'm not even sure what that means. I'm not even sure what that looks like at this point, but I trust you and my desire is to grow in you this year. That kind of honesty, folks, is something that God recognizes and he loves and he acts upon. He will show you a new direction and he will guide your steps in order to get there. While the worship team sings, I want to spend some time at this altar with the Lord. Seek him for what you desire from him in your life and for our church in 2023. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is called. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is called. 
come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of jesus behind your regrets and mistakes come today there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Though come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. We'll bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen what a savior what a savior for my lord i sing hallelujah you are risen you are alive and well lord bow down before are at the altar still praying I'd like to go ahead and close this service in prayer if you bow your heads with me Father I thank you for the new year 
And I know, Lord, that you have so much in store for us. My prayer is that we would be ready, that we would be transformed, that we would be strong men and women of God, that we could fulfill the mission that you've given us to accomplish here in our community and among ourselves. Help us, Lord, to grow, to hold each one account, each other accountable. And Father, help us to have new stories that we talk about and how good you are and the great things that you've done in our lives and around us. Father, we, want, we expect to see things this year that stories are made of, that are told by other people because of your goodness and because of your power. We open ourselves up to that power today, Lord God, that you would move us in a new direction, that you would move us in a way where we would be so productive in any effort that we make for your kingdom that it would be undeniable that your hand was upon it because, God, we can't do things on our own. We can't do it through programs and events. We can only do it when we are empowered by your spirit. So I pray that you would strengthen us in your Holy Spirit to do those things which you've asked us to do. And Father, help us to be courageous and help us to be strong and help us to be undeterred by all that's going, around, going on around us, but help us to stay focused upon you and your goodness and your strength and your power. Father, I ask as we go our separate ways today that your Holy Spirit would go with us guiding and directing our steps, the places we go, the things we do, the conversations that we have. Father, that those conversations would, would be meant to build people up and not tear them down. And Father, that we would shine like bright lights in a very dark world, a world that desperately needs you. We would shine so brightly that people would just come up and say, what is it about you? It happens every day, Lord, to people. Those who serve you, your love is a tangible thing that people cannot overlook. And I pray that it would exude from us. It would just pour out of us in such a way where people would want to know what is different about us and that we could share your goodness with them. God, help us to stay focused on you this year. Yes, we are expecting your return. But in the meantime, Father, help us to not fail to do the work you've given us to do. We have a church and a community that desperately needs you. And Father, we need to do more in this community. And we can only do it when everyone is involved and participates in the process. So show us ways where you can use us. Show us ways where we can grow. Show us our rough spots and chip them off and help us to be a part of that process, Lord, and accepting part of that process. And I ask that you would grow us up in Christ and make us stronger than we have ever been before. And I ask these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for being here today.